Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Let me tell you something. This nation was built on prayer. This nation was built on biblical values. But this nation has strayed away. And we have gotten to the point where we murder babies. And we pass out drugs. And we do all kinds of illicit things. And as long as it's lawful. But let me tell you something, honey. If we'll pray. If the church will pray. If we'll pray and turn from our wicked ways. God can heal the nation of the United States of America. You just got to keep on walking through this thing, my friend. You just got to keep on praying because your payday may not be tomorrow. But if you pray, you can pray your way through any hardship, any trial. You can pray your way through anything in this world because God will ultimately bring you through. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 I turn you to this text today um, our bishop Dr. David Bernard has asked us to specifically pray for our nation and for what it's going through and I for one I'm going to be mindful of my bishop I have great respect for brother Bernard as well as um, our president has announced that he has uh, made today a call of to prayer and i think if our president is asking for our nation to pray that's an answer to prayer right there amen i believe that when we hear it from the highest levels of our government listen folks it's time to hit our knees that's when something can really begin to change in our in our nation amen because it's not going to be government finances, government programs that fix things. It's going to be prayer that saves us. Prayer can save us. Prayer can change us. Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. It is true that anybody can pray. Anybody can pray. The drug addict that is on the corner today passed out from his overdose can whisper a prayer and I believe that the Lord can hear him. I believe that our president can pray and God can hear him. I believe that anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord can be heard. But I do also believe that God has put some criteria in place that makes our prayers much more effective. Yes. Amen. I want to be effective in my prayer. I want to be effective. The Bible says the effective fervent prayer of a say it again a what a righteous man availeth much not just a man not that prayer of a man won't avail to some extent but the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man a righteous woman can can change the very outlook of whatever your situation might be amen I just want to preach to you today lesson word that I've entitled first 
pray. First, pray. Amen. If your prayer life is weak and you're wondering why you're struggling with God, get your prayer life in order and everything else will begin to fall in place. You got to first pray. You got to first pray. Amen. If you're about ready to make a big decision in your life, first pray. If you're about ready to get into a relationship with somebody that you're wondering if it's Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, first pray. Amen. When you're in a situation in your country where you don't know what tomorrow holds, it's not time to get all panicky. It's time to get down to business. And first we pray. The church must pray. Amen. You may be seated today. Heard a story about a young man named Johnny. He'd been misbehaving. As I don't know why we choose Johnny all the time when we're talking about misbehaving kids. We always just call him Johnny. He'd been misbehaving, and so his mother sent him off to his room. You're going to go in your room, and you're going to think about things, son. you got to stop doing this kind of stuff. And so after a while, Johnny emerged from his room, and he informed his mother that he had thought it over, and then... He had had a time of prayer with the Lord, and that immediately made the mother's eyebrows raise. Oh, well, I'm so thankful that, that you have thought over what I told you, Johnny, and, and that you went to the Lord with it. Because you know, Johnny, if you pray not to misbehave, the Lord will help you not to misbehave anymore. And he said, oh, I didn't pray that the Lord would help me not misbehave. He said, I prayed that he would help you put up with me. The context in which our key verse was written is very important. Let me tell you why. Solomon had just accomplished something that no king had ever done before for the nation of Israel. He had just finished constructing a permanent house of God. They no longer were going to have to travel around with something that was portable. They now had a structure, and it wasn't just any structure. It was a structure of magnificent proportion. It was a structure that had taken 20 years to put together. This temple, by today's monetary standards, would have cost roughly $216.6 billion to construct. And we're worried about a measly 800 to a million dollar project over here. But I don't have Solomon's gold or his wisdom. (laughs) So we'll continue to kind of leave that in the hands of the Lord. I want you to imagine with me what this place must have looked like and, and, and what the, the atmosphere must have been like to have watched this over 20 years begin to go together and the way that it was constructed and put together and all the gold and laymen and, and everything that was there that was, that was a part of that beautiful temple and the money that had been poured into it. It was the crowning jewel of Israelites' nation. There was no doubt about that. Can you imagine? 
And so here we find them consecrating it to the Lord. And Solomon, he leads the people in a prayer. And he begins to pray. And I'm not going to read his prayer. I'm just going to touch on the highlights of it. He says, God, keep us protected from our enemies. And send rain in the dry times, Lord, if there's, if there's a drought. And forgive us if we sin. And help us, God, to live righteously. And he's blessing the Lord. And he's blessing the people. And it's a tremendous day for Israel. And when he's finished, the Lord responds by sending fire down from heaven. I'm sure much like the same fire that came down and consumed the the altar of sacrifice when Elijah was up on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. And here comes this fire down uh, from heaven and just just seals everything with with this supernatural thing taking place. It filled the house in such a way that the priest could not even enter the temple because of the thickness of the cloud. Now, I'd say that's a pretty impressive inaugural service, if you would ask me. If we once get finished with our project over here and we have our our first inaugural i'm going to be happy i'm going to be happy if we just run and we shout and and we have a blowout we have two or three people get the baptism of the holy ghost maybe i'm thinking too small maybe we ought to look for 10 15 or 20 we baptize a few and, and we have this wonderful blowout service so to speak like what we consider a blowout service to be but but this service i can't imagine if we went over there and god would send down a fire from heaven and consume some things and just fill the house with his holy smoke and and we would be there in such a way that God was no doubt in our midst. That would be incredible. They're pleased and God is pleased and then God begins to speak and this is where we get to the key verse. He's leading up to the key verse that I read for you today that is such a quotable verse and you see it on signs that are uh, in, in people's yards. You know, it's become kind of the mantra of Christianity. If my people are called by my name, you know, uh, if they'll humble themselves, if they'll pray, then I'll, I'll heal their land. And so, but what builds up to that? What happens is, is that God basically began to tell Solomon, this is all great and this is all good and I'm approving of what you've done, but but don't think for a second that I don't know how fickle people can be. It's all brand new and it's all exciting and, and nobody's touched anything yet. There's no dents anywhere. You know, there's no paint flaking off anywhere. There's no footprints or little children's fingerprints all over the windows anymore. There's no stains on the carpet yet and everything's brand new and it's all new and exciting. But don't think for a second that I don't know that somewhere down the line, this is going to become old just like everything else that you've done has become old. The gold isn't going to shine quite like it shines today. And the excitement of something new will fade. And once it fades, this will just seem mundane. I'm sure at one point I was fascinated the first time that I saw the gateway arch. Probably good thing I wasn't driving the car. You know, I bet you there have been accidents on the Poplar Street Bridge from people that were 
seeing it for the very first time. But you know what? I, I cross that bridge all the time. I've crossed it for decades now. I've been driving over to St. Louis to, to go to work for 30-some years, and I can see it all the time. And I don't even notice it's there anymore. What I'm trying to say is there comes a point in time where what fascinated you before, what impressed you before, has now just become a part of your everyday life. You don't even notice that it's there. So God says, when this takes place, when my people fall away from me, when my people forget the newness of the temple, and when they're not as impressed with all the things that you've done and you've built over the last 20 years, and it doesn't seem to matter to them much anymore, and you find yourself in a place of despair, when you find yourself in a place where the nation has backslidden, and fallen away from God. You remember what I'm about to tell you. You remember it because dry times come and enemies will come and people will fall and men will sin. But when they do, you remember this. If my people pray, not some boastful prayer, but a prayer filled with humility, if they will pray and they will seek my face and they'll turn, yes, Solomon, they can't remain in the same condition that they're in and expect from me to bless them. If they're living a sinful life, they must turn from that sinful life. You cannot stay living a sinful life and expect the Lord to pour down and rain down blessings for you. Can't remain in the same condition and expect God to run And bail them out. They must turn from their wicked ways. Then and only then will I hear their prayers. And I will forgive them. And I will begin to heal the problem that they found themselves in. From walking away from me in the first place. Let me tell you something. This nation was built on prayer. This nation was built on biblical values. But this nation has strayed away. And we have gotten to the point where we murder babies and we pass out drugs and we do all kinds of illicit things and as long as it's lawful but let me tell you something honey if we'll pray if the church will pray if we'll pray and turn from our wicked ways God can heal the nation of the United States of America the reason I believe that the Lord says Gives us the ultimatum. If you'll turn from your wicked ways, then I can heal. It's because you cannot heal in the same environment that made you sick. That's why I told the little story of Johnny a little while ago. Johnny's praying, but he doesn't want to change, see? He's looking for His mother, who is over him, who is wiser than him, who loves him, he wants her to change. God, don't ask me to give up anything that inconveniences me. Don't ask me to come to an extra service. Don't ask me to pray for an extra 30 minutes. Don't ask me to to do something that's sacrificial. God, I want you to change. But real prayer, when we get down on our knees in humility, is not about asking God to give us what we want. Real prayer is when we get down on our knees and say, God, what do you want me to 
do for you. And when we allow God to move through us, it changes us through prayer. And God can change our nation and our surroundings. I'll go as far as to say this. If the way that you're living is wrong, then no amount of prayer can heal you until you're willing to leave the sin behind. You can pray all you want to. And I I do believe that for the most part, now there are a few scriptures in the Bible where the Lord turns a deaf ear. Some people say he hears every prayer. I'm not sure if that's scripturally sound. I'm not going to get into that debate right now, but I will say this, that I believe the Lord does hear a lot of prayers, but, but I, I believe that the most impactful thing that we can do, the most effective praying that we can pray is when we go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, change me, look at me, inspect me. Like David said, Lord, check my heart. If you find anything in me that's vile, if you see me doing something that's wrong, God, straighten me out. I'm not here to just bombard you with everything that I want and everything that I need that's not going to change me at all but God I'm here to listen to what you have to say what do you want me to change what do you want me to do what do you want me to do differently in my life so that you can transform me for people say I pray and God doesn't seem to be hearing me he's not answering my prayers well sometimes we're asking for things that simply aren't God's will Not my will, but thine be done. He said, sometimes you're asking amiss. And if I give it to you, I'm going to give you something you're going to kill yourself with it. Oh, daddy, and now my kids have come up. Let me see that pocket knife. That's a cool pocket knife. Yeah, your grandpa gave that to me a long time ago. It's very sharp. You know, you got to be really careful with it. Can I see it? No. You cannot play with my pocket. Why not? You're three years old. Is that me being mean by not giving them something that they want? Or is that me being wise because I'm smarter than they are? They've not matured enough to know that they could hurt themselves. Okay, there's not a single mom in there who said, Don't run through the house with those scissors. How many of you said, You can put your eye out with that thing. Give me that thing. What are we basically saying? We're protecting our children by keeping them from doing something that they may want to do, that they may enjoy doing, but we see a danger in it that they do not see. And sometimes when we ask God amiss, God says, oh, wait a second, Uh, you're not ready for that. You're not mature enough yet for that, or that may not be something that would be good for you. So God withholds things from us because they're not in his will. Sometimes God's willing, but the timing may not be right. May not have been right. I mean, relationships could have been saved because they jumped into something too quickly. When God was saying, hey, I was working things out. You want to do things right. And the only way that you know what is right is by praying. Because the Bible says that he will lead the steps of the righteous man. Daniel was a man of prayer. Moving up, finding favor. All in a place where he was a captive. 
I kind of feel like I'm a captive in this earth every once in a while. That doesn't mean I can't find the favor of the Lord while I'm here. We are pilgrims. We're just wandering through this earth, but it doesn't mean that we don't have purpose and that there's not a plan and that while we're here living in this world that God cannot give us and show us favor even though we're temporarily captives. He could have been bitter about his situation, could have been angry about the circumstances. I'm not going to do anything. I don't want to, I, this is not my home. I want to go back, but he wasn't like that. The Bible says that Daniel had an excellent spirit. Even though he was a captive, absolutely. Even though the king wanted to do something, he, he had a, a little bit of a, an argument with the king. said, no, king, let us do it this other way. And uh, even though he didn't see things the same way as, as his community that he had been placed and forced to be in and to live in thought, he was totally different. And yet God showed this man favor and he had an excellent spirit. One of the first signs of a shallow prayer life is a bad attitude, a bad spirit, a complaining, a mumbling, a groaning. When you don't get your way, I think I'll just go somewhere else. I think I'll just turn my back. I think I'll just quit. Prayer changes that. Prayer helps you see a bigger picture than just right, what's right in front of your face. You don't find Daniel trying to form a rebellion. He doesn't go around talking behind the king's back trying to undermine him. He prays. And you know what happens when he prayed? Things got worse. <laughs> man, you thought I was going to come down and say, man, Daniel prayed and a miracle took place. Sometimes things get worse before they get better yeah. when you pray. Yeah. There's a testing ground sometimes when we pray, Brother Jones, and I pray and I don't get what I want, and I pray and, and things don't change, and I pray and, and things are harder now than, than before I prayed, and I've seen people uh, that, that don't really get how prayer operates and how it works sometimes give up and throw in the towel because they feel like it's a, a futile effort on their part to even kneel down and pray. Why? God's not even hearing me anyway. God's not even paying attention. I prayed and, and things got worse instead of getting better. You just got to keep on walking through this thing, my friend. You just got to keep on praying because your payday may not be tomorrow. But if you pray, you can pray your way through any hardship, any trial. You can pray your way through anything in this world because God will ultimately bring you through. So prays just like he always has and it gets him in deeper trouble than he was instead of the others trying to have the same relationship with God and, and saying what can I do like Daniel I see that Daniel's being favored I see Daniel's moving up what can I do to be like him they got jealous another, another sign of a shallow prayer life or one that's lacking uh, uh, completely jealousy and they get jealous of Daniel and so instead of trying to, to do what Daniel does and maybe pick up on his habits they, they just decide to try to get rid of him remove him ain't gonna happen my friends 
God's always going to have a remnant. This church, I don't care who comes against us, God will have a church as long as that church is praying. That church is going to have a place in the kingdom of God. There will be things that may come against us. There may be things that try to destroy us. There may be things that try to destroy you. But you keep on praying because God has a plan and no man can destroy his plan. No jealousy can destroy his plan. You just keep praying and keep praying first and foremost pray they look at his life they inspect it with a fine tooth comb surely we can find something surely we can nitpick him apart surely we can make something out of nothing if we have to they look for the tiniest little thing to complain about but at the end of the day Daniel's name stood in the eyes of the king and it was the king that mattered Listen to me right here. Those who criticize you for doing the right thing will never be seen in the same way as you are seen in the eyes of the king. The criticizer will never be elevated in the eyes of the king. Not this king because he sees the heart. He sees the attitude. We're not going to fool him. And so they tricked the king into declaring a law that no one could petition their God for 30 days. I don't know how all that worked out, but you know, we're just going to, going to shut prayer down. They've shut our schools down. <laughs> they've shut some of our employment down. They've, they've, they've got our nursing homes on lockdown, but they can't lock down my prayer life. And the most powerful, I'm, I'm pulling the big guns out. When I hit my knees, I'm not playing around with no little pea shooters. I, I, I'm pulling the big guns out. I'm pulling the 16-inchers out. I, the things that they put on the battleships, I've seen those things firsthand. And those things can launch a 2,200-pound uh, artillery shell over 20 miles away. Let me tell you something. When this church began to pray, if we'll first pray before we do anything else, we can launch some artillery shells into the uh, camp of the enemy there's nothing that we cannot accomplish if we will first pray just pray they try to turn his good habit against him Daniel 16 says now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. They were thinking just what we counted on. He's up there praying just like he always did. You know what? I wish that somebody in this world could count on me by my prayer life. Could set their clock by my prayer life. That's what kind of praying this man did. 
Daniel doesn't get up when he sees the decree. He reads it or hears it being read, whatever. And they say, hey, nobody's to petition their God for 30 days. The Bible says that Daniel, he didn't go write a, a, a petition. Uh, he didn't try to run to his friends for support. He didn't get a protest let, letter together. He didn't demand an audience with somebody that's in authority and say, listen, don't you know who I am? The first thing that the Bible says that Daniel did when he read the decree, he went to his room. He went to the window facing Jerusalem. He got down on his knees and he prayed because he could do more by doing that than he could do by doing anything else. He knew about the decree. He didn't hide the fact that he was praying. He didn't cut his prayer time a little short to keep from being caught. Amen. Verse 11 says his enemies caught him. Doing what? Praying. Praying. Now, I fully believe that God could have, who was it? It was Elisha or Elijah. I'm, I can't remember which one. All the 50 military men come up and God just poof, wipes them out. Dead. Kills them all. Sends some more up. Poof, dead. Kills them all. I believe God could have done that right here. These men could have come up to try to take Daniel, but God had a bigger plan. And sometimes God doesn't get us out of our, 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 our fix and our mess because he sees all the pieces of the puzzle put together before we can ever even figure out where the first piece goes. He could have empowered Daniel to do some supernatural display. God says, not yet, not yet. He didn't tell Daniel what he was doing. Daniel just had to trust him. You know why Daniel trusted him? Because Daniel knew how to pray. Yes. Daniel had a relationship with God. Well, surely the king has set this straight. After all, I have been framed. I'm not doing anything that I haven't always done. Me and the king, we got this relationship. We're kind of on a first-name basis here. I've been great value so surely he'll see this for what it is and set me free but that doesn't happen does it because they had trapped the king by getting him to decree a law without him understanding who it was going to affect the king now has to make good on his word even though he loves Daniel he doesn't want this to happen He's got nothing against Daniel. He, he loves Daniel. But it's at this point that something began to change in the king. And he began to see things differently than he's seen them before. And it's at this point of the story that a little light goes off in my head about, aha, I kind of see where you're going with this now, God. You know how you can start to figure the plot of the story out before you get to the end of it? And there's something about it that almost empowers you. You kind of get excited about it like, I figured this out. I know where this is going. You start to see that the mind of the king is beginning to change, and he's seeing things differently. Daniel 6.16, then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God, not my God, but thy God, Daniel, telling me everything I need to know. He's not a believer in Daniel's God. Not yet, he's not. 
Now he loves and respects Daniel, but he doesn't know Daniel's God. And so he tells Daniel, thy God whom thou servest continually, stating something else that, that, that he understands about Daniel. I know you're sold out. I know you're in this for a long haul. I know that nothing stands between you and your prayer time. You serve him continually. It's very obvious to me that you follow, know, and love your God completely. You serve him continually. He will deliver thee. There's beginning to be a faith in a God that he doesn't even know. And a stone was brought and laid it upon the mouth of the, the, mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his Lord that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Things are looking bleak, my friends, for the prayer warrior. It's gone from bad to worse. His enemies seem to have prevailed. His friends that he thought he was connected with have not been able to get him out of trouble. And now they're lowering him down into a den of hungry lions. Might cause you to start wondering if God was hearing your prayers. You might become a little tempted to lose your faith a little bit. Bible says, then the king went to the palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. He's up all night long. He can't sleep. He's worried about the situation. He knows that if he could change something, he'd go down there right now, and he would have never put Daniel in this situation. But he, he loves this young man. He admires this young man. He's grateful for his friendship. And he can't eat. He can't sleep. And so he's up all night long fasting over this situation. You got a heathen king fasting and speaking words of faith about a God that he does not even yet serve. I'd say that's a good start. But how did he get there? He got there because Daniel knew how to pray. It's a long night. When the first lights begin to break over the horizon, you find the king up dressed and running down to that pit. He says, get that stone off there. Peers in over the edge. Daniel, Daniel, are you still in there? Daniel, are you okay? And then he hears the sweetest sound coming from the bottom of that dark pit. And it wasn't the sound of a lion roaring victoriously after he had finished a meal. It was the sound of a hungry lion and one man of God who knew how to pray. He heard the sound, O king, live forever for the Lord. My God has kept me from the mouth of the lions. He has sent his angel and he shut their mouth and they have not hurt me. I'm telling you that's what happens when you pray. Your enemies, it doesn't keep them from coming against you. You may still find yourself in trouble, but God will send his angelic being to comfort you and be with you, and the lion will not be able to destroy you. Mm. Get him out of there. I've got another law that needs to be written. I was fooled into that, that last law, that last decree that I had, and they suckered me into that one. We're going to change some things now. <laughs> but before I do that, Daniel, 
I want you to give me the names of every last one of your accusers. Uh oh. <laughs> I want you to know that those lions went all night long. They fasted just like the king did. They didn't get a meal. You ever been woke up in the morning so hungry you can't hardly stand it? And all of a sudden, the fate that they had for Daniel became their very own fate. Daniel didn't use prayer as a last resort. Daniel used prayer as his first response. It was a part of who he was, what he did, and nothing was going to change his prayer life. Or our music come today. Even when things didn't go as planned, even when things went from bad to worse, because he prayed, they went from bad to worse. There will be things, if you're looking for an excuse to miss prayer, to miss church, to miss something that draws you closer to God, I promise you this. The devil will give you an excuse to miss. He'll give you a reason why you can't kneel down and pray on this particular day. He'll give you a reason why you can't show up to church. But God is there. Amen. If we'll just set him first, if we'll put him first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. If we get our priorities straight and we get our mind to believing that first before we do anything else, we've got to pray. Before I start my day and I head out for my day's journey I'm going to first call upon the name of Jesus Christ and I'm going to say God what is it that you would have me do today order my steps today anything else is secondary first I must pray such an awesome power The Bible declares that there will come a day when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. My confidence is in things of this world. There's a very good chance that I'm going to be sorely disappointed. If I think I got enough money that I can write a check to get me out of any situation or there might come time where it's not going to happen. Financial markets all over the map. I watch them every day. I'm invested. I'm looking forward to retirement, Brother Hopkins, one of these days. I know you, you can't wait till you can grab a fishing pole and run down and do a little fishing whenever you feel like it. You're going to wind up in the mountains of Tennessee. What a beautiful thing that is to stop and think about. But I've watched, I've watched, if it doesn't come back up, I've watched my retirement. You know, it, it's kind of changed on the outlook of things right now. Big losses. Got hospitals that overcrowded over overrun people acting crazy and the 
grocery store and treating people it's like Black Friday only the shelves are empty like the whole Tickle Me Elmo thing all over again <laughs> I'll throw our nation into civil war we are seeing how fragile life can be this is not a time to panic time to pray if my people who is your people the ones that are called by my name <laughs> who've been baptized in that name I'm thankful for the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ if my people who's his people it's the people that are called by his name if they'll humble themselves if they'll find a place where they're not relying upon themselves, not trying to figure out the, how to do it themselves, but if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face, if they'll turn from their wicked ways. Would you stand with me today? I wonder sometimes if we're so satisfied with earth we don't care about hearing from heaven sometimes there are things that come along that remind us what the foundation of this world is built upon and it's not the solid rock Christ Jesus I want to hear from heaven today I would, I would love to lead us today to a time of prayer. Prayer for our nation. I believe, I truly believe that if every church would follow what we've been mandated to do and hear the call to prayer today, we could turn this thing around beginning today who believes with me that this thing can turn around today yes. through prayer I don't want to I don't want to lose anybody I don't want anybody even getting sick we have no protection here except for don't touch anybody don't don't everybody stay away from everybody we got to be smart, but our real protection comes from God. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.